1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com Well, it appears gas prices might be going down by 18 cents a gallon. Uh, that is the amount of Federal tax you pay on every gallon of gas, and Joe Biden has asked Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for the next three months. So gas will go from eh, about five bucks a gallon down to, if my math is correct, five dollars and uh, four dollars and eighty. My math is not correct. Four dollars and eighty-two cents a gallon. Ooh. I feel so much better, right? I can stop thinking about okay, I need to uh return something at this store. When will I be going by that store? What else can I accomplish on that trip? Is there another store I need to stop at? Uh No, I will not stop thinking about that because 4.82 a gallon is still a ridiculous price to pay for gas when we were paying $2.30 a gallon when Donald Trump was the president and Joe Biden took over. But this will be a classic Democratic fix, right? It will be a temporary solution because it will last only three months. And it will be trumpeted as, see, I'm doing everything I can, except green lighting the energy policies that were in place during the Trump administration which resulted in us being an energy exporter, an energy exporter, not an energy importer. Donald Trump did not need to go to Saudi Arabia, as Biden will in two weeks, to beg the Saudis to pump more oil. Donald Trump did not float the idea of asking Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela for oil because we had all we could use and some that others could use as well. So Biden has made a habit from his literal first hour in office when he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline as a make-good to the green fools who think that there is something they can do to control the climate when, mm, I don't know, take your pick, India, China do nothing. I don't think we have a big plastic barrier in the sky that keeps air from circulating around the world, and pollutants in India and China from impacting the climate. I mean, we could be as green as we want to be. We could be as green as um, Larry the Cucumber from the old VeggieTales movies. And it would not stop the impact on the environment inflicted by the industrialized nations that aren't stupid enough to listen to the environmentalists, China and India. If you can get everybody on board, okay, maybe you got a shot at making an incremental impact. Otherwise, you're wasting our time and my money. So, Biden will trumpet his 18 cents per gallon decline in gas per gallon if Congress agrees with him, which... There is debate as to whether they will or will not. They need sixty Democrat. Uh, they need sixty votes in the Senate for this to be filibuster-proof. Now, this begs a question: Should Republicans go along with this gimmick? And it is a gimmick. Even Obama called it a gimmick when it was proposed back during his time in office. Larry Summers, Obama's. Treasury guy, Bill Clinton's treasury guy, an economic advisor, actually, to Obama and a treasury, the treasury secretary under Bill Clinton. Larry Summers also calls it a gimmick. So Biden won't quote Larry Summers on this. He will use Larry Summers quotes when they advantage Biden's position. But when they don't like Larry Summers would be dead to him. That's fine. Uh, This will take, of course, you say, well, where do they where does this money go? When we have been paying it all these years, where does that 18 cents per gallon go? Well, that 18 cents per gallon goes to repair our highways and bridges. And you say, wait a second, didn't we just pass an infrastructure bill to repair our highways and bridges? Yes, we did. Well, I don't see any bridges under construction, Bruce. I don't see the potholes disappearing from the freeway. Although they did manage to fill two massive ones on 33 to 270 North in Dublin. Thank you very much. Whoever did that, (laughs) But the problem is, in the federal government and in our country, everything's connected to everything. So when inflation causes egg prices to go up and meat prices to go up and gas prices to go up, guess what else it costs to go up? Highway construction. Because the people who do highway construction, most of them are, you know, union contractors, and they have a little thing in their contracts to account for inflation. And so labor costs of construction crews have gone up to meet inflation. Therefore, the amount of money budgeted for the federal infrastructure program has proven to be about 20% inadequate to do all the projects that were contained in that law when they passed it. So I just wonder if we're going to take away the amount of money that the Feds have always collected for bridges and highways, and the amount of money that we just spent in the much-ballyhooed bipartisan infrastructure bill has proven inadequate because of Joe Biden's inflation. Isn't one move, the 18 cents per gallon suspension of the federal gas tax, going to work against the other oft-ballyhooed accomplishment of the Biden administration, the bipartisan infrastructure bill? Wouldn't you seem to be, at this time, more than ever, needing the money from the federal gas tax in order to fill in the gaps caused by Biden's inflation in the infrastructure bill? I know. I know. I have a nasty habit of confronting the president and his minions with facts. Facts are very inconvenient. Uh, Larry Kudlow, Fox business analyst, is not a big fan Not a big fan at all of the suspension of the federal gas tax.
0: I'm all for tax cuts. In fact, to mitigate the Fed's tightening and to mitigate the uh, fight against inflation, I think they should make the Trump tax cuts across the board permanent. That's my view. And they should deregulate the whole economy, most especially energy, as my friend Mike Worth of Chevron suggested, but also all business. I mean, the Bidens are running a war against fossil fuels and a war against energy and a war against uh, business, okay? And therefore, they're running a war against consumers and motorists, and so the inflation rate is around 10%, and they could really help with a permanent tax cut, okay, lower marginal tax rates on the supply side. Now, the Biden
1: administration, in addition to suspending the federal gas tax, is asking states to suspend their state gas taxes. And you might remember Mike DeWine hiked the Ohio state gas tax by about a dime back during the early stages of his uh, governorship. Uh, one of the representatives to the Ohio State House has proposed dropping that, suspending the Ohio gas tax, which would save us 40 cents per gallon. Now that would make a difference, but DeWine is against that. Because he says we need the money for, guess what, road, bridges, highway repairs, filling those potholes in Dublin. But we also have an excess amount of COVID money, which I know COVID and highways are not the same thing. But, you know, what I would do if I was you, Mike, I would spend it on highways and bridges and I'd ask for forgiveness later. My guess is the Biden administration has enough worries They're probably not going to get to you on that other thing. Wait a second. You spent that money where? So I wish we would suspend the Ohio State gas tax, 40 cents. But even if they suspend the federal tax, even if the Congress goes along with this, think this through. This shows you there's no foresight in the Biden administration. They propose uh, shelving this federal gas tax for three months, okay, for three months. What's going to be about to happen in three months? Oh, right. July, August, September. And then we're in October. And then the federal gas tax comes back and gas prices jump 20 cents per gallon. And right after that's the midterm election. Good move, Joe. Another one. All right, enough about Joe Biden and his uh, dumb, transparent plan to momentarily cut your gas prices. And enough about Franklin County Judge Eileen Paley and her ridiculously inadequate bail for people who have confessed to murder. One of the things that I knew right away when I got this position, this platform, was that... I did not want it to be a platform where all we did all day long was complain about things. Because there's a certain amount of complaining that comes forward in assessing and analyzing the news. But ultimately, if all you ever do is complain, uh, you become negative and you lose hope. So I'm always looking for things that can... Restore hope or bolster our hope. And as I get older, I realize that the nation that I grew up in, the world that I grew up in, is not the world my kids are going to grow up in. And that concerns me. And I think it concerns you. That's kind of why I do what I do. Because I'm trying to preserve the great things about the country that I grew up in. My father fought in World War II. My father loved his country. And I suppose that by seeing that in him, it grew those same feelings in me. But I wonder how much of that survives today in our culture because how many institutions appear to have completely turned their back on those values. Entertainment, media, academia, and the Democratic Party. So today, in preparing for the show, I came across a speech, a senior speech, from Harvard University. Now, obviously, Harvard is a bastion of not just liberal thought, but leftist thought. And I was fascinated to watch this speech. I'm going to play the first three minutes of it for you. It's from a young woman by the name of Julie Hartman. And I did not connect right away that Julie Hartman is the young lady who appears with Dennis Prager sometimes in the show that follows ours. But Julie Hartman gives me hope, and I think she will give you hope, because julie hartman though she is a young woman is an old soul because she speaks for me and i think she speaks for you on what she sees uh, in the united states of america
2: if we lose freedom in america there is no place to escape to this is the last stand on earth president ronald reagan last spring break i went on a trip with a hundred other Harvard undergraduates to Israel. It was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life, and I will always be grateful to Harvard for that. I recall the trip with awe and joy, but a certain moment rattled me. Our group attended a Shabbat dinner at a Tel Aviv synagogue. The rabbi proclaimed, welcome to Israel. You are all here from America, the best country in the world. He paused, but not a single person clapped. The Israelis stared in disbelief. Americans are the freest, most privileged people on earth. Yet many of us are ashamed to show any, even the tiniest trace of national pride. Why? Because we Americans of recent generations have been swaddled in prosperity and security and in consequence have become ungrateful for the blessings we enjoy. It requires vigorous athletic imagination for most of us to consider the basic brutal realities that much of the world experiences daily. Even worse, we have consumed a cultural diet that reduces America to its ugliest moments and dismisses its noble ideals and accomplishments as jingoism. This nation saved the world from global catastrophe three times in the 20th century. This nation has grown to treat racial, ethnic, and religious minorities with equality and respect compared to other places and times on earth. This is the nation where people are not constrained by their gender, religion, or class, but can work to achieve a better life. In this nation, we can criticize our government, secure in the knowledge that we will rise the next morning and our country will still respect our rights. We view these things to be our birthright, our permanent and guaranteed condition, but they are not. They exist only because past generations have sacrificed to secure and maintain them. And to our discredit, we have used these blessings not to strengthen our country, but to tear it down.
1: I think that is so well said. And as I said, her perspective is one that I have, and I think a lot of you have who listen to this show. But it is rare to find in a young person, and exceedingly hard to find, in someone who's graduated from Harvard. Uh, I sent her an email, and I hope to have her as a guest on the show, in the future, and I will play you the second half of her speech um, probably about an hour from now in the final segment of the show. Because I like to end the show on an uplifting beat if I can. It's not always possible, given the news of the day and given the analysis of the day. But her perspective, and again, this is somebody who's spent probably four years on the campus at Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, being told that America is systemically racist, and uh, disadvantages minorities. Uh, Instead, the exact opposite is true. We are the only country in the world where your ethnicity and your upbringing still allows you access to achieve the greatest things possible in our society. It's sometimes uh, a factor of having to work harder, Uh, having to muster more ingenuity, having some things fall in place for you, but it is nevertheless possible. If it were not possible, Barack Obama would have never been president. Kamala Harris wouldn't be vice president. Loretta Lynch would have never been attorney general, nor would have Eric Holder. Ben Carson would not be uh, esteemed among surgeons as he is. So it is very possible for anyone to achieve the American dream, even though we now exist in a culture where we're being told that the American dream has is not just a lie now, but it's always a lie. It's always been a lie. That's not true. That's not true. So as long as we have people like Julie Hartman, who can stick their head in the lion's mouth for four years at Harvard and walk out uncorrupted. And give a speech like that. Have the courage to give a speech like that in front of people who sit in judgment of her. I assume that's why you give a senior speech. There is hope. Uh, So hang on to that because she's not alone. And as I say all the time, neither are we.